Good evening, everyone. You're listening to another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast. I'm your host, Justin. I'm Aaron. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing pretty good. It's been uh, an interesting week. I I think I mentioned it on the last episode that I was going to be at a property that I hadn't been at in a long time, switching up my workflow. Yeah. Um, it's been weird. It's been really nice seeing um, a lot of the people that I used to work with there that I got along well with. But in general, it has been um, kind of strange integrating back just because it's been a pretty hectic week at the property with the heat wave going on, lots of maintenance issues, which I'm trying to handle as best I can. Um while I'm like reintegrating myself. So it's been, it's been interesting, not too bad, but, uh, definitely a little different. So now what classifies as a heat wave? Uh, I don't know, but it's been in the nineties, like all week so far. And I got in my car earlier and my car thermometer thing said one Oh one, obviously it had been sitting in the sun, so I think it was only like 97 out, only, only 97 out. Right, right. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been rough. I think tomorrow we're, we're going to cool down into the mid eighties. So. Oh, very, very good. Very good. Well, that'll give, uh, that'll give my dogs a break. I know they, they hate the heat walking outside. You know, we only have them out for a couple minutes at a time anyway and get a I bunch can- of water in them. But yeah, it's, uh, it's brutal. It's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I, and so like I told you before the episode, I got more work done on my tattoo yesterday. And yep. so I can't even go to the gym for the next probably week or so to because um, just to be safe and hopefully not infect my my tattoo and everything. Yeah, so definitely. and there's no shot that I'm running outside in this weather. So mm. I'm just kind of having to eat healthy and see if i can figure out some at-home workouts and just do some pull-ups on uh on the door dude yeah exactly exactly so that's uh that's the game plan i've got my mini basketball hoop here on the door maybe i'll uh you can just start doing workouts yeah exactly do the do the kobe routine exactly yeah that's sweet r.i.p now weird segue um Let's uh let's talk about plants. Give me your rose thorn and seed for the week. Uh, I thought you're. I mean, I've got a bonsai tree over there. If you want to like really get into plants, but well, how's the bonsai tree going? Is it is it living? It's not dead. It's not dead. Nice. It's not dead. I went uh, when I was on vacation. I watered it before I left, and then came back and had not watered it for a week, and it was still good. Except nice. the soil was really, really hard. So when I first poured the water on it, the water just kind of spilled over. Right. Um, so it took a little bit of uh, of working with it to to get some good water into the roots and all. But it's yeah, it's not dead. Sweet. It's, it's about Sweet. all I got. <laughs> now, are like, are you trimming it? Or are you doing the whole meditative bonsaiing thing? So I trimmed it early on, but I am trying to get it to grow a little bit more before I trim it again. Like I kind of shaped it up, but it doesn't grow as quickly as I expected it to, which makes sense. It's a tree. They kind of are like slow 
growing. Sure. Um, so I'm waiting till it gets a little bit bigger before I uh, trim it again. So mm, gotcha. I want to, yeah, just let it get a little, little wild and then shape it up. Um, so it has some more green on it, but it Very is, cool. I do, I do enjoy watering it. It's got like a little mini Buddha thing. That's like on a stake that's stuck into it. Uh, which is kind of, it's, it's very peaceful. <laughs> nice. Well, I think that's like the whole idea of it. That's why I got it. It was like, I can't kill it easily. Sorry about the camera folks. Uh, I can't easily kill it and it is like kind of cool. So, um, but anywho to the rose thorn and seed, um, okay. my, rose i guess i would say um things have been going pretty well with the the lady that i'm seeing uh so i'm seeing her tomorrow which i'm looking forward to should be fun uh gonna cook some dinner and just hang out chill nice um, nice cunnilingus nice. and chill <laughs> hell yeah uh thorn i'd say is just um with the the heat wave the property that i'm at has a lot of ac issues right um which has just been pretty difficult and hectic mm -hmm. so in terms of uh of that that would definitely be a thorn because it's making it difficult coming back into that property and like adjusting well it's um, also it's also making it so you can't run. You can't even work out or anything. Yeah. So it's yeah. definitely put a damper on things. Uh, so like the weather and everything um, has definitely sure. been, been a bit of a thorn and then seed. Um, I think just from us talking during the uh, race companion, which you can find on YouTube uh, along with <laughs> um, here before the episode, I think we've got some cool topics that we want to dive a little deeper into down the, down the line, um, which I'm looking forward to. I think that should be a lot of fun to kind of dig into some different topics uh, all related, but um, a little, off of our our typical dives into races and and the season so right. very cool so excited for uh excited for some of the spicy content we've got coming up yeah i'm looking forward to it very so cool. very cool. how about yourself rose thorn and seed and just how your week's been you haven't uh i we jumped into that before you really said much you've got sarah back she's back from disney for a little over a week now right Yep, yep, and the dogs are uh, the dogs are very keen. I was very keen on it as well. It was uh, it was uh, it was a good time. She was visiting with her parents last, this past weekend, um, so she brought over some uh, some home some home cooked up crab. So that was really fun. Um, yeah, it's always it's always good when she's when she's around. But yeah, uh, rose thorn and seed for the week. Um, so last night at like three a.m. or so. I got we got a five star review um, on the website. I think from uh, a recent client of mine. Um, the little blurb just simply said uh, has helped take my pain away, and said I was very thorough and very knowledgeable. Um, so that was a that was a great little little way to start the day there. Um, thorn in my side. Uh, I've got a flat tire on my Honda. 
and I'm too lazy to go out and fix it myself because it's such a pain in the ass. I've had so many like issues with it in like in the past. I'm like I'm competent enough. I know how to change a tire, but it's never gone that smoothly for me. I'm not skilled in the matter. I know how to do it, but I'm not like, yeah, I'm not that good at it. I don't think unless you're like a mechanic that anyone's that good at changing right. a tire. Cause like you just only have to do it like once every five years, maybe. Yeah. yeah it's not that much, but I also think they give you like bad equipment to do the job. Right. You mm -hmm. get like little like toy car cranks, like the little plastic, just whatever. Like super crappy uh, jack yeah. for the car. And so yeah, it's just always uh, a nightmare. Um, so I have that to deal with. And then seed. I think this one is very exciting. Um, we are, we're currently, me and Sarah, cooking up ways to work cryptocurrency into our massage business. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And not just like people can pay with Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever. I'm talking like get our own like our own coin that we can use as like a loyalty slash membership slash like kickback program for clients. Interesting. Okay. So, so kind of like a stock in the business almost uh, as like a, a give back or something. Right. But it's something that they can use like actively use in their own care. So let's say we start out where one, um, one top coin we would call it would be worth seven dollars, and okay. then ten top coins you could trade in for a massage, right? So the idea would be that every time you come in for a massage, we give you one top coin back. Right, gotcha. where on the transaction, you know, we get seventy dollars, and then we give you a top coin, which is ten percent of what you paid for your massage. And gotcha. It's not, it's not, you know, money. It's not anything. Technically, it's like a little. It's like it's basically like store credit with us. It's kind of like it. a, a a punch card for places. Right, it's right. Like, that's like where the yeah. idea started with. Yeah. yeah. So but then crypto, what you could also do, cool. yeah, what you could also do is have a way for, um, you could use it as like an eat, like easy referrals. Like, Hey, I really want you to try this therapist. Don't worry about like the cost. Don't worry about paying $70. You're not liking them and whatever. I've got, I've got five top coins. Let me, let me pay $50 of your massage. You only need 20 of it. So, you know, like here, take these coins, blah, 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 blah. And it's a way to like encourage um, referral programs and then coming in often because by getting worked on, you earn yourself more massages, right? Yeah. And I guess if you like did it that way, people who like you could probably do stuff for people who do refer someone as like a referral thing. Like there's a lot of different ways that I guess you could integrate that into yep. um, a benefit for your customers that will help grow the business. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. So we are uh, we're very excited on like kind of working on these ideas and whatever. Um 
but yeah, so that's like that's like the seed. I would say that's been um, that's been really exciting to work on. But enough about us. Let's get into Formula One, bro. The Steermark Grand Prix Sunday. If you are a Red Bull fan, you had a great weekend. I mean, honestly, if you're a Mercedes fan, not a bad weekend either. But sure. definitely, uh, definitely as a Red Bull fan, I would agree. I mean, just kind of. Um, I, I mean, Max just kind of put on a clinic. He, from the early in the weekend on, like he was towards the, uh, towards, if not on top for each of the practice sessions, he was Mm -hmm. top of practice session one. He was top of practice session two. He was second in practice session three. Um, looking really good, uh, qualified for first position, um, a little bit weird with the qualifying though, because of the whole Valtteri uh, situation uh, with him. So I thought that was, um, so for any of you that didn't watch this past weekend, uh, Valtteri spun out in the pit lane during one of the practice sessions, um, blocking off the pit lane. They called it an unsafe uh, pit entry or pit exit. I forget exactly how they referred Mm -hmm. to it. I think it was Um, on safe pit exit. Yeah. And so he ended up with a three place grid penalty. Um, He ended up qualifying second overall, but that meant he ended up starting fifth. So got bumped down below uh, Lewis Hamilton, Lando Norris and uh, Checo. So uh, interesting way to, to kind of start off for him. Uh, Pretty unfortunate with, I, I just feel like, how we've talked about Valtteri, he's just had kind of shit luck all season so far. Um, and not that granted that is kind of his own doing the, the spin in the pit lane to some That's extent. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, but man, this guy just can't catch a break. Like, no, no. And like, especially doing something that as, as I understand it, um, plenty of racers do on plenty of different, uh, weekends, on plenty of different pits um, to try and lay down some rubber and make the, make the release a little bit smoother for them. Um, So it seems like he was just trying to do a perfectly standard thing uh, that just ended up not going well. And the FIA did not, um, you know, did not look uh, keenly on that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, So, so with that, we had, even though P five starred, he ended P three. So he gained two, two, two slots, had a pretty good race overall. Very good race. I, mm-hmm. It's just tough because if he had started in second, very easily could have seen him uh, finish second the way he was racing. He was very, very consistent. Um, I don't think the Mercedes cars had a shot to, to challenge Red Bull for the top spot of the podium this week. Um, I think Mercedes has kind of admitted to that as well. Toto has come out in press conferences and kind of said this is, he said essentially this is the first time in eight years that they feel like they um, didn't have the pace Mm -hmm. to to potentially win, Um, which is kind of wild to think of after, I mean, seven constructors championships in a row, 
to think that they didn't have a shot to win this race or have the pace to do it is kind of uh well and it seems to, I guess. and it seems that it goes to show that a team of that caliber like they would know when their data is showing them that they're not doing so hot right um because if they're saying they don't have the pace to do it that means like barring you know even if that that's them saying it, even if lewis and valtteri drove perfectly we wouldn't have been able to catch them right and lost max right. made a mistake which he did not he drove just about perfectly i would say uh, like as mm-hmm. as well as you can drive like there were no mistakes he managed the race well i hate using that term managed the race but it there's not i feel like there's not really a great better description well, because you're not being like um, challenged you know there's no there's no dirty air that you're fighting through or yeah. anything at that point you are your own worst enemy yeah it's just kind of a little boring when you get to say that or you're like ah he just managed his tires right. he managed the lead no one really pushed him it's just like ah i mean he let max qualified first led all 71 laps and then mm-hmm. won the race. Like it was not, uh, I, it was kind of boring <laughs> for him. In well, a sense. sure, but boring in the sense that like everything was turning up roses. Like he had, you know, he was just ticking all the boxes. And when somebody doing something great is ticking all the boxes, it just makes it look easy. It makes it look like, you know, they could do that all day. Yeah. I'm sure he's. I'm sure Max isn't concerned about that. I'm sure he's pretty happy. But um, as a viewer, this race was, barring the a couple of things, this race was pretty boring overall, I felt like. Like, there's definitely some points to talk about um, and some interesting stuff. But, like, I don't know. There wasn't a lot of, uh, a lot of craziness. I didn't feel like there were that that many um like real racy moments during the during the race um i think the biggest things that you can really talk about is like uh leclerc on lap one and And just some of the stuff with yeah um like yeah so so what did you think about uh, after like digesting the race and all, I don't know. Did you go back and watch any of the highlights mm-hmm. and everything? What yeah. are your thoughts on Leclerc getting driver of the day? Being that like he's the one that punctured Pierre's tire. He hit a he hit three different people during the race. Yeah. Well. Okay. So here's what I can say about that. Isn't that like? Um, wouldn't that be like giving Casey Tron streamer of the year? It's God, like, it'd like, be like the fans just like memeing on her, right? So if there is an aware fan base um, in Formula One, there's some, there'd be something funny about them like all voting together. Like, look at him. He fucked people up. Like he's the quote unquote driver of the day. Yeah, it's just like I saw a lot of people online that disagreed with him being driver of the day, but I I don't think he was the driver of the day, obviously. But like 
in a funny kind of way, he was. But I think I don't think that people necessarily there are probably a couple people that voted him as a joke, but like I think the majority of the people who voted for him like actually meant it. I don't think there was a lot of like memeing group think on it. It just I don't know. I think it's frustrating seeing like Carlos Sainz had a phenomenal race. He started five places back from Leclerc, beat him in the race, mm-hmm. didn't run anyone off the track or puncture anyone else's tires or right. break any front wings or anything like. So then, why else would Leclerc be getting driver of the day? Like he because, drove like a pretty average race. Well, he fought his way. He had he fought his way back through the pack and passed a lot of people at two different occasions because he put himself in a bad spot. So everyone's like, oh, look at him passing all these people, blah, blah, blah. But like he was only passing them because he crashed people out. (laughs) I don't know. I like, I like Leclerc and I like, I enjoy watching him race because I think he's a really talented young driver, but yeah, definitely. He gets so aggressive on these first laps, man. Like we saw it last year when in the race that he uh, caused the accident between him, Max, and Checo. Yep. And Checo ended up that being the race that Checo ended up winning. Like that's right. He he pushed people out, bumped into them, like caused it break, delay into people, and like he is so ambitious about like making like making up spots at the beginning of races and making moves early and like just going pedal to the metal well it's a tough braking zone and everybody's slowing down significantly like you can see the strategic advantage to like trying to dive by somebody there definitely but then there were it is dangerous though definitely and i mean he's very fortunate that he didn't crash himself out mm-hmm. like he could have very easily just ended his own race right there. And well, I think yeah, that's the thing is like Pierre gets to like Pierre has to sit out and then he gets driver of the day and gets the race on. And it was like perfectly his fault. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I know that the FIA called it a racing incident, but I strongly disagree with that. I think mm-hmm. he should have been penalized at least with a time penalty, if not a, like 10 seconds stop and go. Right. Like it, I don't know. I, I just felt it was frustrating, especially when you see other drivers that did it as much as they could. Right. And like ended up having issues. I mean, George Russell, George Russell started in, what did he start? Uh, P10, he started. And he came up. He was on the inside of the track. He slowed down early. He got passed by a couple people, but then got a good uh, a good grip out of the first turn, mm-hmm. passed them back, was making moves. And he just kind of got screwed with his car, kind of dying on him mid-race yeah. and him having to retire. Like. Uh, seeing that with him or like Pierre Pierre like did nothing wrong. He didn't squeeze Leclerc out. He didn't Leclerc just turned into him and mm-hmm. punctured his tire and fucked up his race. Like it, it's just a bummer. And I, I 
like I said, I like Leclerc, but I that bothered me a lot as as everyone I'm sure can see that he got driver of the day. Well, like what exactly is driver of the day? You know what I mean? It's not like it's um, it's a fan vote. It's not like right. Yeah, it's not it's not any no one gets points from it. Nothing. It's yeah. I just felt weird that so many people overlooked him dive bombing people and kamikazeing the first lap just because sure, he like okay. was able yeah. to make it up. So um, it makes you wonder like what as fans people are valuing like in a racer and it's like oh you, that may be like a skewed view of what's like a strong asset. Yeah, it's like I all the Ferrari fans are just like Ferrari, Ferrari. And they just right. like voted for Leclerc because they couldn't vote for him and signs. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It's just a weird thing, especially since they do broadcast it and everything and they make a, a big deal and they have like the whatever interviewer person come over the radio afterwards is like, Oh, you're driver of the day. Like when they did it with Seb and Seb's like, how'd you get on my radio? <laughs> like, yeah, that's really weird. Yeah. Like they make a big deal about it on the broadcast. So like if it was just like a fan vote or like a Reddit poll or something like that, I'd be like, ah, fuck it, whatever. Right. Um, but like, it's, it's essentially like kind of endorsed by, the FIA in a way. Gotcha. Okay. Dude, speaking of Reddit posts, did you see um, LCS is using uh, Reddit, um, like Reddit posts in their like analysis? They're like putting it up on screen and like who posted it and what subreddit. And no, like, I didn't realize that. Yeah. They're like, like I knew yeah. that LOL Event VODs was now like one of the actual distributors of like LCS VODs and everything. But um, no, they're putting like Reddit up on screen in their broadcast. Interesting. Yeah, it's weird. And like, oh, this this person had a great point about blah, 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 blah. It's like, wait, what? You know, that kid's probably 12, right? Yeah, like Sharknado 69 said that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think they have enough intelligent people on the LCS broadcast that they don't need to be going to Reddit for their. Oh, well, no, they have to go to Reddit, dude. That's like you know, that's the 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 fan base. I imagine Reddit is Reddit is like Twitch chat. Mm-hmm. It's groupthink. It's a bunch of nonsense, and every now and then you'll see a decent point. Right there, you go. I like that. Like, especially the League subreddit. The League of Legends subreddit is, like, garbage. Um, yeah. So, I the the mods just suck. So, that's that's my opinion on that. Well, that's what's funny is, like, and that's where they're taking these, like, posts from. Well, and they, but Riot seems okay with it because they gave the moderation of the Valorant subreddit to the same mods that did League of Legends, even with all the hate that the League of Legends mods oh, wow. were. Before Valorant even came out as a game, uh, like when it was announced, they created the Valorant subreddit and like gave moderation control to the same people that did the League of Legends. Sweet. Gotcha. 
So, like, I haven't even looked at the Valorant subreddit because I guarantee it's just a bunch of garbage. Just like, sure. Like, sure, I, yeah. I used to love the League subreddit. Like, there was so, a lot of good stuff on there. It was great early on in the game's lifetime, and it's just kind of uh, gone downhill over time. Yeah. I would tend to agree, and that's kind of how I feel about forums in general. I don't uh, get too many hot takes or like things that like make me like stop and like, oh, that's a great point. Um, yeah, like so, a group think. So that's weird that they're taking that and using it on the broadcast. Yeah, that's kind yeah, of dude, that's bizarre. that's that's my point. Yeah, it was yeah. very odd. Um, back to uh, back to Formula One though. Um, Sorry to 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 segue off there real quick. That just that just made me uh maybe remember. Made you member? Yeah, it made me member like uh Pepper Pep Pepperidge Farms. Um but yeah, the <laughs> uh it decent race overall. Um mm -hmm. I I did feel like uh during the race companion that I cast or cursed uh Gasly and George Russell because I I was definitely hyping them up before the race and then they just immediately well Pierre immediately gets knocked out of it and then George Russell knocked out partway through I was like I was pretty bummed but I think it will make for an interesting uh, Austrian Grand Prix coming up this uh, this week because I think we got to see that um, George for one looks really comfortable on the, uh, the Red Bull ring track. Mm -hmm. Um, the Williams car has the ability to possibly fight in the midfield. I'm really hoping, uh, to see George get his first points with Williams. Um, that'd be awesome. He and still then, doesn't have any points. I don't think so. I'm pretty Damn, sure. Dude. I'm, I'm pretty certain that, he has never gotten um, a point with Williams. Damn, and that's well, actually, brutal. I don't know if he's gotten one at all because he never ended up with the ones for – or no, he did get a couple with um, – when he was driving for Mercedes, I think. Gotcha. So – yeah, I'm like trying to look and see when he would have gotten any points. And yeah, I don't. Yeah, he got three points when he drove for uh, Mercedes at the Sakir Grand Prix. Very cool. But still has yet to get them for Williams. Otherwise, yeah, has not not scored any points for for Williams at all. Gotcha. So, I understand. Yeah. So I, I really hope that he um, comes out swinging this coming week, has an opportunity. Um, I think we've seen that some cars that um, we wouldn't necessarily expect to be as competitive perform pretty well. Um, we saw Fernando Alonso get in the points with the Alpine. We saw Lance Stroll up in the points at the end of this race in the, yep. uh, the Aston Martin. So, uh, and we saw Yuki pick up a point with the Alpha Tauri. So mm -hmm. 
very exciting when he can make it through uh when he can make it through the first two days of the weekend it seems like he has a great race absolutely and like just the fact that yuki has picked up i mean he's he's picked up nine points now um which is awesome for a rookie it's yeah for sure feel like very rare to see and like that's really exciting to see him uh picking up those points and especially so. i know i've said this before but like you know constantly compare him to the other rookies on the grid right now they don't have they don't have any other points yep. um so it's clear that uh yuki is really making his time um in his uh formula one rookie career in a way that schumacher and mazpin are not yeah definitely um and I guess looking at the race a little bit more, um, were there any other things that kind of stood out to you or any drivers that um, really kind of stood out in in the race, in your opinion? Um, I think, well, the one, the one note that I do have is the six and seven for Ferrari. I thought that was um, pretty exciting. They are proving to be... Um, somewhat competitive uh race after race i know the last i believe the french grand prix uh would, was the last one it didn't go so hot for the ferrari boys um but i do believe given uh given a couple more races we'll see we'll see the ferraris continue to just earn points um so six and seven for the ferraris i thought was pretty cool and then also the final final couple of laps watching uh Sergio chase after chase after Valtteri and just like shave time and shave time and shave time um that was pretty exciting to watch just on pure like spectator value i was really hoping that uh Checo was going to be able to get the overtake um you know what I didn't do you really what do you think about Red Bull's decision to pit him onto the soft tires and have him chase Valtteri back down? Like, do you think that that was the right move? Or do you think that leaving him out when he was only, I think it was about two and a half seconds back on, uh, on Valtteri at the time, um, on slightly fresher tire? I think he had... I'd have to double check the um, the pit stop summary, but I think his tires were a tiny bit fresher than Valtteri's. Right. Um, I still like the idea because they had put uh, Lewis on Reds to take the fastest lap back. Um, so in the chase of Valtteri, if Sergio had pace to lock in the fastest lap time as well, they get the double benefit of taking. Uh, uh, P3 from Mercedes and also taking back the fastest lap point. Um, That's fair. So yeah. I actually think it was a, a pretty pretty uh, heads up play by Red Bull, and it was yeah. it was clear that Sergio was ready for the play too because like he didn't you know he didn't drop a beat. He was actually able to use it in close distance. Yeah, definitely. And I I think that's kind of how I felt about it too. But mm -hmm. in the moment, it was tough to to kind of decipher like. Would he have been able to, and I looked, he was actually, his tires were a lap older than Valtteri's, but he gotcha. seemed to just have a uh, better pace. So I, I trust Red Bull that they looked at the data and were like, this is our best shot of getting past him. Mm -hmm. Like, let's go for it. Um, but yeah, 
Definitely uh, an interesting move there at the end. Also, I mean, with Lewis pitting him to, I, I mean, even before they pitted him, I think that would have been the largest margin of victory uh, for any race this season with Max being up, I think about 14 seconds on, on Lewis at the time. Um, Obviously ending up uh, a lot further behind since Lewis pitted and went for the fastest lap at the end. But um, yeah, it was kind of, I I think that was, it was the right move for Mercedes. They got the extra point. They got mm-hmm. it on on Lewis. So helpful to his championship and theirs, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think. I guess in terms of the the rest of the race, the only other person that really stood out to me was Ricardo, finishing thirteenth, not really contesting for the points. Um, Especially with, well, and I guess uh, uh, on the same vein, like Lando finishing P5. Lando's only finished under P5 once this season, I think, mm-hmm. at this point. And so it's, I, I really thought that um, after the French Grand Prix and seeing Danny Ricks um, up there with Lando, right side by side basically and competing i expected him to be a bit more competitive um i I know he had some engine issues earlier on in the race where he was saying he lost power but Mm -hmm. i was surprised i was surprised to not see him like climb back up through the positions um so it makes me wonder if it was a car issue or if like he just kind of got stuck and and couldn't get past people or kind of what the deal is there was a little a little weird And that is kind of what it seems like. It does seem a bit, uh, it does seem like a bit of a a car issue where maybe it's a combination of like driver car where he's not sure necessarily how to drive it. And then you do have moments where you're losing power, you're dropping back down through the, um, through the grid. So yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to make that time up, obviously. Yeah, definitely. And so I'm curious to see how he bounces back um this week because he had shown some pretty solid times during um the practice sessions and all like Mm -hmm. he was um during uh practice three he was or wait which practice session was there was one of the practice session two he was second on the grid for the the set the session and then only a couple tenths back in p3 right um p3 he was where was Ricardo? He was actually down in 17th for practice three. Oh, interesting. Which is weird. So I'm not really sure. it. He put in a, less laps than a lot of the drivers on the grid. So I'm not Yeah, so really maybe sure he was having that. some car issues, man. It seems like that might be the case, like as we were getting towards the end. But also. Lando was 19th during that practice session. So maybe they were just doing different things. They were not doing qualifying pace. They were looking at like heavy fuel load race pace or something right. like that. Like they could have right. just been doing something different. Um, Cause the, the top of the practice only is in, is only indicative as far as um, the, the drivers were like actually racing, right? You can right. get 
you could get abysmal times because everyone's doing like long run data, putting rakes on, you know, they could be doing whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Um, but I think this week we're going to have, um, it should be a pretty good race. I think that that's the, the really interesting and cool thing about having these kind of like, not just back to back to back race weekends, but having almost a double header between two weekends in a row on the same track. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm intrigued to see kind of how the teams adapt the setups for their cars, who thinks that they've figured something out from this uh, steering Grand Prix um, and can kind of utilize that to, to improve their their positions and times for this next week or to, I guess in this sense, see honestly how guys like Pierre and George and Ricardo kind of do after a, a tough race weekend where they've shown some mm-hmm. promising um, promising speed and times and everything. Um, see if well, they can then, get into it. Yeah. And then there's the element of having the, you know, the long run race data that they can then use to inform the setups of the car. So hopefully the field overall will be leveled up and able to lay down some good times on track and get some good pace. Um, cause yeah, being on the same track, you can you you have you have more data you have more information to use and while the top teams do as well it can still benefit the it can still benefit the 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 back of the the back marker teams as well yeah and i think um in a lot of senses the teams that were towards the top seem to have their setups and things like that probably pretty optimal um whereas some of yeah those like back marker teams might have um or might be able to utilize the optimal they 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 might be yeah that's true we might you know because lewis lewis and valtteri they they may feel like they need to find some more pace out of the car you know I know Lewis does. He was sure. uh he he definitely looked at that like it with his um interviews and how he just looked like almost not distraught but just like depressed almost that like he didn't feel like he had a chance to to win the race. Like he looked like a little bit lost. Mhm. Yeah, lost is uh lost is a good word for that. Yeah. The wandering back and forth in the uh, the camera view was uh, made him look a little more lost too. Yeah, it was really really weird. He didn't know where he left his towel, and he had to go find it. Just back and forth and back and forth. Yeah, and I mean, I know that we'll we'll probably end up getting into that more uh, later on in episodes, but like that's definitely something that I want. Like, I don't know. Tell me, tell me what you think about that. It's, it's such a weird thing. And for anyone who's listening, like we're after qualifying, um, Max Lewis and Valtteri were all interviewed cause they finished top three in qualifying. And while Max is being interviewed, um, Valtteri went first, Max went second. And while Max is being interviewed, like the cameras are just like, on Lewis as he's just like wandering to and fro in the camera shot back and forth, like just 
pacing. And it, it was just, it was a bit weird compared to how the other guys were acting when they were not being interviewed. And we don't have all the data, but what I know it looked like is that um, Lewis was not ready to give Max the um, the moment in the sun again, and he just wanted it to be his turn as quickly as possible. And that came off a bit disrespectful, and it came off a bit rude. Um, now, the other element that just came to mind is that those racetracks probably change all the time as far as where they're supposed to go and where they drop their shit and where the the these like zones are and what's supposed to happen where they're supposed to go i can understand feeling like he didn't know exactly where to be um I'm not 100% sold on that just because the way he was moving about was indicative of him knowing exactly where the frame of the camera was. Um, it also didn't look like he was trying to do something. No, with, it looked like, like he was it, just like waiting impatiently. Yeah. Right, and that um, comes across very disrespectful. I also kind of blame it on the broadcast slightly in a sense because they just interviewed everyone out of order. Like mm -hmm. if they're like they interviewed the second place first and then first place second and then third place last. Like it was they should have interviewed Lewis first, then Valtteri, then Max, or Max first, then Valtteri, then Lewis. Like it shouldn't have been like this out of order weird thing do three one then two yeah that doesn't make doesn't make a whole lot of sense just do three two one or one two three because they yeah because they did two one three like right. they didn't even like it's it, there's no order or no no lewis got second valtteri got third no valtteri was second because he got the three place grid penalty that dropped him to fifth it was or I'll double check myself, but I thought Valtteri, yeah, Valtteri was second in qualifying. He beat Lewis out by three tenths in qualifying. Oh, that's right. The interview was for it was for qualifying. It was qualifying. Yeah, yeah, it was qualifying. It wasn't race. wasn't for the race. Yes, yeah. that's what got me confused. Okay, thank you, thank you for pointing that out. I was like, yeah, yeah wait, wait, what? No, yeah, but you're right. It was the 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 interview after qualifying. So then, uh, yeah, maybe there was an element to it where Lewis wasn't sure, like why he didn't go maybe he didn't know like what order he was in maybe Possibly. he thought he was supposed to be after valtteri or whatever um but yeah either way it was it was a weird look and um i think i think it has something to do with um his his very honed media persona being shaken up a little bit by not just you know just sailing through first for everything i think he's um out of his element for sure. Yeah, I think that um, that's a pretty good way to put it. It's it's just interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And 
I, I know I rib on. I mean, who knows? Lot, yeah, like, like who, who knows? There, there's probably a lot of different things that could have played into it, but it was a little, just a little funky thing. Um, but yeah, we've got the uh, steering Grand Prix. We had uh, for the finish: Max first, Lewis second, Valtteri third, Checo fourth, Lando in fifth, Sign sixth, Leclerc seventh, Stroll eighth, Alonso ninth and Sonoda 10th. So that was the, uh, all the guys in the points for this race. Um, and we've got hopefully another good race coming up this weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it should be fun. And I think seeing everyone on the same track back to back, like I said, it's, it's exciting to see how things shift or if they shift. So that'll be kind of cool to watch. Um, speaking of shifting, I was in Hogwarts last night. You're in Hogwarts? Yeah, dude. Explain. <laughs> that was a bad joke then. Never mind. I, I, I thought you would have seen that on TikTok. There's like this whole, there's like this whole subgenre of TikToks where people, um, quote unquote shift to Hogwarts. They get out of their shitty reality and go to their desired reality when they sleep. And their desired reality is Hogwarts. Yeah, everybody wants to fuck Draco Malfoy. That's the joke. Well, I mean, yeah, but... Me yeah, me too. too. But I'm just fine. saying. But yeah, I was at Hogwarts last night. I was shifting. <laughs> I'm surprised that I haven't come across those yeah, TikToks. Good stuff, dude. Well, you didn't you didn't know about the about the Nazi pro or the the um, concentration camp TikToks. Where I, where people were no oh, where they were like harassing like survivors not harassing but they were like pretending to be one like oh, oh I was man. prisoner whatever the fuck on the trains yeah terrible dude yeah that's TikTok's a weird place weird sometimes place. like it's, I get a lot of good cooking recipes and like see a lot of like pretty sick video game clips mm -hmm. that's like the majority of my TikToks but uh. And occasionally some spooky shit. There you go. Um, I like I yeah, like three a.m. No sleep challenges, uh, or just like uh, this is Mothman, who is a like urban le not um, I guess more of a rural legend of like West Virginia, oh, nice. like things like Mothman and like uh, Skinwalkers and all those other spooky uh, legends and myths or Skinwalkers. You don't know what a skinwalker is? No. It's a um it's a Native American uh kind of belief typically. Um it mm -hmm. branches out from there. But the gist is they are um these supernatural creatures that have like um like insane speed, like sense sensory whatever like smell hearing like whatever they're super lanky and almost human looking like um if you feel like you're being watched by one or followed by one you're supposed to just kind of ignore it and not not try to look at it or interact with it at all because they'll like uh, take you or like attack you or whatever is it like um, those slender man things or is that different in, in a kind of similar vein um right or like, 
I'm also picturing like Professor Lupin from Hogwarts when he turns into a werewolf in the movie. Not Remember quite, what he looks like though? Yeah, not quite werewolfy, but like okay. it's it, it'll be there'll be like creepy pasta type stories where they're like, Oh, I was driving like me and my boyfriend were driving through the deserts of Arizona, like at night. We're going from LA to Phoenix and like there's no cars on the road and like kind of out of the corner of our eye, we saw something running next to the car and it wasn't, it wasn't like a wolf or like, and it was like running on two legs and it was really like, you couldn't really see it and things like that. Like creepy, creepy pasta type stuff. I don't know. Gotcha. Um, and there's like, I don't know, stories of stuff like that. The occasional, uh, like, beware of feral people in Appalachia and things like that. There's feral like feral be- people. Uh, yeah. Like there's cave people like raised by wolves type, like not like raised by wolves, but like fam, like groups of people that like live off the grid in the wilderness. They have no or limited contact to like the outside world. Cause there's like some deep woods, backwoods places in some of Appalachia where it's like next to impossible to get there by a car. There's no roads nearby. And it's just kind of like people who have gone and lived off in the wilderness who like have very little contact with other people who just kind of sustain themselves off of the squirrel natural pee. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, so there's some stuff like that. Um, there's like, I, I don't know, not to get off on too many tangents, but it's uh, interesting. Did you know that there is a correlation between missing persons in the United States and the United States cave systems? Like if you put a map of like the U.S. with all the missing person locations and then you cover it with a map of like known cave systems in the u.s like it prime very closely matches up so the the gist is that a ton of like missing people in the u.s uh have probably just like gotten lost in like cave systems and like never found their way out damn yeah Yeah, kind of spooky (laughs) wait Wait, what? How would they have gotten to the caves? What would have made them go there in the first place? Like hiking and like people going like hiking, camping, things like, like that. And just like wow. like go to they're like, oh a cave. And then like I mean, this is my assumption that they're like, oh, a cave, and like they go and check it out and then just get turned around and lost and like can't find their uh, way back. Yeah. That's yeah. a nightmare, bro. Yeah, so um that's not cool. Definitely not cool. So there's a yeah, yeah I get on spooky talk a little bit. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. Have you ever seen have you ever seen that copy pasta of the like the Russian war experiment or like the Russian gas experiment? I or not gas experiment, the Russian uh no sleep experiment. Yes, yes, that's oh there was something and like I don't know if you will be able to tell me what it is, but I remember vividly on Reddit back in the day, I came across some posts about these and I the, the problem is I can't remember what they called them. Mm-hmm. They were like numbered though. 
it was like, this is whatever two, four, six. And it's like a supernatural type experimental type, like thing that was like, yes, I can't think of what they were called. And so when I was like, when Shane and I drove down to Shenandoah, we were talking about like just some of the like urban legends and like stuff with the uh, Appalachian trail and stuff. And it was like, it's right there. It's like right on the tip of my tongue. I know. And there's like hundreds of them, like of these numbered things that are like, have different supernatural ish type something. Oh yeah. I'm trying to think of the term. And it was like, and it wasn't like experiment. It was, but it was something along those lines. Right. Like, they were like case files of like crazy shit that have had that's that have yes. happened to people. Yes. Yes. And it was like the things that they encountered, the right. like things they encountered. Kind right. Of. And I yes, know it's I like I definitely remember that. I know it's like a cr- uh, creepy pasta type sure. thing. But sure. Like, I, it bothered me, and I I still have not been able to figure out what those are. No, I definitely, um, I definitely remember those parts of, definitely remember those parts of the young internet. Um, yeah, and that Russian sleep experiment, I think, was one of them. Yeah, that's it, that's a, a pretty creepy one. Oh man, what are they called? It's gonna bother me. If you're listening to this, comment down below what the fuck those things are called. Yeah, um, if you, if you know, if you know. Yeah. I like it's. It will bother me until I figure. Eventually, I'll figure it out. But, um, yeah, who knows? <laughs> wild, wild stuff. Yeah. Um. You know what is scary? What? TSM at the top of the standings. Why does that scare you, Justin? It means that war, war never changes. I it's think never any different, dude. It it's all it's I mean, other than Hundred Thieves being up there, it's always the same, well, same that's, deal. Yeah, that's why my day one and day two games are um Hundred Thieves because yep. I find their um I find their success to be um exciting and refreshing and they have um yeah, I just love I just love their squad. They're doing great things. Closer well, then, looks like a like a meth head and he plays like one. He just goes out of his mind. Like well, his eyes are so sunken in. FBI has never gotten a wink of sleep. He is so tired, but these guys just win consistently. Well, well yeah, so talk about the 100 Thieves versus Dignitas game here at the on day 1. Well, that's that was that was the fun one um, cuz we had here, what am I looking at? Here we go. Um, sorry, I just want to pull up the pull up the stats here. So the one thing that was fun was the um, someday rumble into Renekton, and it is a matchup that we see all the time. Um, but as we know, Renekton is supposed to be able to uh, get the get the better of Nar if he's able to like get up next to him um, and just hit him with the sword. It did not go that well 
for Fake God in the top lane matchup. Someday took it, flipped it on its head. But I think the one thing that really made like the big difference and what was odd was the uh rumble uh for closer in the jungle like he just he he pretty much just controlled the whole early game had great objective control and then when it came to the team fights his equalizers were just insane um so i think the top and jungle in that game were especially impressive um a deathless bottom lane from who he and fbi the kaisa is insane it's so useful um, in the hands of FBI, nonetheless, too. I think he's one of the better Kaisa players that we have currently in the NALCS. Um, and yeah, there was just really nothing, really nothing Dignitas was going to do as an answer. Um, mm. So I think it's impressive to see 100 Thieves pulling off these clean games against the bottom tier teams that they should be winning so cleanly against. Like Dig took one tower, zero inhibitor, zero barons, two dragons, but. Newsflash, 100 Thieves didn't even, like, have to play for the soul. They just took two dragons, took two barons, won the game. Yeah, well, and I think the other interesting part is just looking at the team comps. Like, 100 Thieves played out their uh, team comp is essentially as perfect as you're going to, mm -hmm. to kind of get. Like, you do have... Um, Abadaga in a pretty tough matchup with the uh, Lucian versus Lee Sin because just purely on the fact that Lee Sin is so strong right now. Like, mm -hmm. yes, you have the ranged matchup and everything, but if you get caught out by a Lee Sin um, as a squishy Lucian, like you're kind of you're kind of done for. Um, and so, like that, of course, is your toughest lane matchup. But who he and FBI in the bot lane. Uh, just were able to kind of sit there, soak it up like that. They don't have a, an aggressive, like kind of in your face, fight you kind of like duo there. They yeah, have but the set does peel uh, the Leona pretty right, well. Does peel the Leona, but they can't mm. like, they're not going to be engaging. So they have mm. the defensive, the defensive style that they can use to get to the late game. And like like you said, the the NAR versus Renekton matchup can be tough for the NAR, but with closer, um, it, it just feels like that 2v2 in the top lane with the top jungle kind of duo there. Um, and someday's just so strong playing weak side too. Like just, he's, he's so comfortable just waiting for the jungler. Right, and, mm -hmm. and just stalling out till he can get a gank. And so I think... That is is my takeaway from that game is the fact that 100 Thieves, each lane, each role kind of played specifically to their play style, their win conditions, their team comp. Yeah. And that is so valuable, mm -hmm. like immensely. Um, so awesome to see from from those guys. Yeah, it just shows that they're able to just play out the comp like that they drafted. Um, so many times we see like teams like draft a certain thing and then not be able to like play out the poke comp or not find the fights or you know they don't draft that second tank for like supplementary engage or whatever. Um, so yeah, it was nice to see like not only a strong draft from Hundred Thieves, but um, but then take it into the game and play it out really well. So that's you know good to see. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that um, 
the LCS does not typically do super well. Like we may be able to pick the right champions, but playing things out cleanly is, uh, is not always like in our, um, wheelhouse. So, and, and I guess like kind of speaking of that in a sense, uh, that brings me to, to my matchup, my game from day one, which was the EG versus liquid game. And that game was super, super close early on. Um, EG had little leads here and there. Um, it was very kind of back and forth competitive. But I, I think the biggest thing for me was like Jizuke was not playing out to their team comp the way that he should have. He, there were multiple times where he just tried to force engages on the Nico with the Nico ultimate instead of like backing out resetting letting his team regroup and everything like or or they got engaged on and they were able to peel off back out without losing anyone and he just goes back in like the madman he is and would die and then they started losing objectives like liquid didn't outplay them extremely hard like tactical had a great game on the ezreal he did what he needed to do he um he played that really well and jensen on the lease in was like actively looking for picks and like Mm -hmm. going after them but honestly the biggest thing for me in that game was like i was frustrated watching jizuke who is such a talented mid laner just like in himself again and again into the the team liquid team when he didn't have to quite honestly i'm not even so sure it was all on like him playing nico i'm not sure i even understand that pick competitively either um the movement of the clone is so binary that i don't think you're ever gonna fool anybody with it um so that's a wasted ability the ultimate isn't something that is easily set upable so again don't play it in competitive where it takes like all this extra work to effectively just do what like um uh like who's got burst like what like an oriana would do like you're just trying to hit a bunch of people with some good damage there's no reason as a mid laner to put yourself in like try and put yourself in the middle of the team hit this like weird channeling ultimate thing i just i just think there are much better champions for what they were trying to do like i understand the whole like galio comboing on to the nico do like bam bam like wombo combo it just um it was just very lackluster and from a player who has impressed me in the mid lane in jizuke i'm not sure i ever want to see that nico pick again like it was it was a it it just didn't work and b it's like it's boring it's not competitive and whoever told him that it is did fucking lied to him yeah it, it just wasn't it didn't seem like it really fit and i mean i kind of get i guess what they were going for in a semi dive comp like with the the Xin Zhao, the the Galio to dive in, and Jazuke with the Nico ultimate. Like right. that's right. A, why not just kill one person with Diana and then just have the Galio ult on top of Diana? Like right. she's she's clearly somebody people are playing, right? 
I yeah. mean, I'm I'm not saying I'm some genius and like, oh, just play Diana. I, the, uh, other players are playing it, and it would work exactly the same. Um, I know they're playing it in the jungle, but fuck, you can assassinate somebody, and then in a melee matchup against a Lee Sin, like you have a uh, you have a little bit of an advantage. Then, like you can kind of fuck them up in the trades. I I just think overall, it's like a, it's just a really weak pick from a, a decent player, decent team too, especially a team that was like on the rise. We were literally just talking about them last week. Like, oh yeah, sweet. Yeah, I think they had just a really good opportunity here to to show themselves as a competitive team and to mm-hmm. to take advantage of. Like, I didn't. That was not Team Liquid's best play of the weekend. Like they they looked, um, they had their flaws. I'll say it that way. They had their flaws, and they could have lost that game if EG had just played it out a little better or picked a little better. Right. Um, yeah. I just one pick. Like the rest of the team kind of yeah. looks fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I still think EG is good because they have a lot of talent, but like I, I wanted to see them perform kind of more similarly to hundred thieves and like mm-hmm. just play things out cleanly if they, cause I think even with the Nico pick, if Jazuki had, if Jazuke had played things out cleanly, then they could have won that game. Definitely. So definitely tough. Um, but we'll see how it goes uh, going forward. We've got a lot more games ahead of us. But for uh, for day two, we both had the same uh, game, the 100 Thieves versus C9. So talk to me about that a little bit. And this was a, uh, a barnstormer. Um, I think the, the biggest factor in the game um was abadage on the azir and i know they talked about it on the cast but the azir countering the kindred alt in that soft kind of way where you can push them out of it so they don't get the um invulnerability and then the heal at the end of it um more importantly than that though i thought the lulu pick in the mid lane was kind of weak um, he didn't do a whole lot in the game overall. I know they were going for like a, a protect the protect the AD carry comp, but then they probably should have got Cogmaw and the um, having the blabber in there too, where or uh, where Perks would have to pick who he's buffing. Um, I I'm pretty sure with protect the AD comps, you're just supposed to play one AD and then a second support. So the fact that they played Lee Sin in the top lane and not picking the right AD carry, I'm not sure what the I'm not sure what the bans were. They easily could have banned Cogmall. I don't know. Um, but it seems like they picked five individual champions and expected that to work. And then on top of that, the Kindred pick gets counterpicked by Abadage, who had the final pick counterpick on the red side. And the one time that it like came up and mattered, he shoved three people out of the Kindred all, and they and they cleaned up the team fight, and it felt like it was just like over from there. He like he did the interaction perfectly. Cloud Nine had no chance, and then. It was just it was just kind of game over from there. Closer played amazing on the volley bear. He was one one and ten. 
you know, he was he was mm-hmm. there for a lot of uh, for a lot of uh, the key the key moments in the fight or in the game. Um, so yeah, just couple couple key moments that I think uh, you know really really the game really hinged on. But overall, I think it was a weak draft from Cloud Nine. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I mean, you look at it, and they didn't have a strong AP threat either. Like you like you said, with the Lee Sin, you have Ki- uh, Blabron Kindred, and you have. Sven on the Varus, like you're not uh, providing any real strong AP threat. So the itemization that 100 Thieves is able to do from that. And I mean, that, and that's another point that I've had about Cloud9 since MSI. I think that they have not been drafting super well and they haven't been getting really cohesive team comps. They've been piecing together champions that they're capable of playing, but there's not really like defined win conditions for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been one of their biggest struggles in this half of the the season is that they just keep going out there and throwing together a kind of mishmash of champions that like, yeah, everyone on their team's capable of playing, but like, what does it, what does it actually do? Are you pushing for early objectives? Mm. Are you going for macro play? Are you trying to team fight? Is your goal, like, uh, do you have items that you have to get to? Uh, Do you have an item break point that's going to, like, get you a good fight that you can just push and win if you win the team fight? Like, they are very disjointed um, with their picks. And, and, And 100 Thieves picked very well into it, too. Like, having the the Callista and Nautilus, that's so much lockdown in CC. Mm-hmm. Like if you can lock down a Lulu before she's able to shield and ult and do a, and polymorph and everything like you are, she's dead. She's yeah, hundred percent. And then the Abadaga with the, the, a zero, like you mentioned, knocking three people out of the kindred ult in that one fight. Like that is uh, such a huge pick. I mean, that's why people play Gragas into Kindred. That's why people play Lee Sin into Kindred mm-hmm. in that jungle matchup because you have the ability to knock people out of that Kindred ultimate. And at, like Kindred is definitely a good pick, but not into Hundred Thieves team comp. Like, well, he, it 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 I think would have been okay. Um, although they didn't ban the Azir when maybe they should have. And don't pick um, the Kindred. Like you yeah. can't, you can't leave something like that open and just be like, that's really like, gonna fuck or, with the, yeah. like that is a heavy counter to, to the Kindred. Like you just, if you're going to leave it open, I would, I would, I would agree. Yeah. Either, either last pick can or late pick Kindred after you already know what hundred thieves is playing in the mid lane or don't pick kindred. Yeah. Like that's, that's just my, and I mean, I'm going to be super critical of cloud nine because they need to play better. If they're going to perform well. And as a fan, like I want them to perform better, but like that is such a huge flaw for them right now is they're drafting and just like, just objectively. Yeah. It, it can't be overlooked. Like I, I, 
Not that I think Liquid and TSM and 100 Thieves, who are all either tied or above them in the standings, are bad teams by any means, or that Cloud9 should be better than them. Cloud9 just needs to figure that out, and I think things will start to fall in place a little better. And also having Sven come back into the lineup, we talked about it last week. We weren't yep. weren't fully sure how long King was going to be up there, but... I think that's good, and hopefully they can get back into a pretty good flow um, with the team. So, Well, he wasn't really gone that long. I imagine that shouldn't be a problem. Him and Vulcan have been playing together for a while. Yeah, four weeks isn't a lot, but still, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's something. So it, it maybe we'll take a week or two for him to feel fully acclimated back. I don't know if there's any um, intentions of continuing to swap back and forth, but I guess we'll see. I hope not. I think that like does some weird, weird stuff to your lineup, creates some inconsistencies. Um, I, I hope he's here agree. to stay. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. But uh, getting on, I guess to day three. Sure, um, everybody's both favorite. of us also had the same game for that. We had the TSM versus Liquid um, matchup, which was interesting because. It was a quick game in a sense, definitely lower than the average like game time of the LCS. Mm-hmm. But it also felt very slow with like how few kills and like team fights and everything there were. Uh, it was very like macro heavy for that for that game. Um, yeah, it went like deathless for a long time, but but ever inevitably what happens in games like that is if it goes deathless for a while and just like uh just one or two kills and then the team can push that and you know just choke you out slowly um what ends up happening then is when that fight happens inevitably at you know 28 32 minutes or whenever it is um it's lights out it's game over for the team that loses because even the team that didn't get the two kills they're still close enough. Like all these farm numbers are very close. Um, you know, it, it was really only Jensen that had all the money on liquid. And then speaker had all the money on TSM. Like overall it was, uh, it was pretty even. So depending on how that fight went, um, it really could have gone either way. It really could have gone either way. And I know TSM was like eking advantages throughout the whole thing, but, um, yeah, liquid, liquid easily could have done it, but, the way that TSM was playing and the fact that they had the Ezreal Azir, um, yeah, they were never getting touched. They they could they could just hang out outside of whatever turret they wanted to and just kind of siege down pretty much. Yeah, and they played it very cleanly and like their team comp like really matched up very well. Like I, I think that Liquid has a pretty cohesive team comp as a whole, but just in general, I think that TSM had um just an even not not a better team comp they also had a cohesive team comp that just kind of countered what liquid was looking to do i mean like jensen's whole goal is to jump on top of someone and solo someone out and then get out and like with the ezreal having an escape the tankiness of the mundo the cc of nautilus that sword art played um the the azir uh um shurima shuffle and everything like you've got 
so many ways to fight back against that um, and kind of stop what Liquid was looking to do. Like even at the end, as TSM's kind of pushing towards Liquid's base and everything, like you see the Dr. Mundo almost get killed. He's down to like 10% HP. And then oh, he, Mundo has never his, dies. he has his war mogs and all he has to do is go untouched for five seconds or whatever it is. And all of a sudden he's like just rapidly gaining back life to the point that no matter what Liquid had at the end of that game, without the respawns they weren't going to be able to to hold them off because the mundo just like too big such thanky thanky uh but the mundo was a weird pick but like it worked out really well and it really mm -hmm. meshed with their team comp doesn't lose super hard in the lane especially to lulu um Lulu's, I mean, you're going to get poked out. You're never going to like be able to advance, but you're never going to lose the lane either. Yeah, like Lulu's not solo killing a Mundo. Yeah, no, for sure not. Unless the Mundo makes like drastic mistakes. Yeah, so, so if it was me playing Mundo, I would definitely lose. But No, nah, you're the Mundo master. Mundo master. Mundo grunt, in the jungle. Grunt, grunt. That should have been the title of that episode, by the way. Although something tells me that that name could be trademarked. Yeah, I feel like that might not have uh, gotten as many clicks either. Who knows? Yeah, they figure talking about the arrow right. in between your, you know, grund, <laughs> grundle, grundle. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, I mean the TSM looks really solid. I think like they fully have proven themselves to be um, top team in NALCS along with 100 Thieves is up there with tied record. But like mm -hmm. that is going to be um, kind of fun to watch them fight. We've got some good matchups coming up this weekend as well. We've got 100 Thieves versus Liquid on the first day, um, day two. We've got Liquid Cloud Nine, and then on Sunday we have TSM Cloud Nine. So we've got some really, really solid top of the table games coming up this weekend as well, which should be pretty fun to watch. As uh, Pastry Time and Azale like to say, it's gonna be a banger. It's going to be a banger, friends. We it's... are banging. Mit. What? Mit. What'd you say? <laughs> I just said we are having a banger. It's gonna be a banger. Nice. Thank you for the bits. Thank you for the bits. Fucking She Devil 45. Thank you for the bits. Demon Slayer 69420. Thank you for the bits. Wow. Five months sub. Thank you so much. This has been another episode <laughs> of Casey Tron's Twitch channel. I feel like I feel like she would be happy to know that she still had a couple of fans out there. I think she would. I really I genuinely wonder what happened to her. I think she might have just gotten the bag and just dipped, which good for her. <laughs> yeah, she she could be like painting pictures of unicorns, I don't know. Yeah. I hope she's doing well, though. I know her time in League of Legends 
had some rough days for her. Uh, so I hope she's doing okay. It seemed like she had the attitude of these idiots are giving me money and I don't care what they think. Mm, yeah. Which is the right fucking attitude to have. So, and we call we call people that can cry on demand some of the greatest actors of all time. So there you go, Casey Tron. Your true fans are here. Yep. Got two of them. Two of them. Two fans. We're just going to become a, a Casey Tron stan channel. Stan fan account. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to start I'm making... A Casey, I'm a Casey stan? I'm going to start tweeting out um, Casey Tron... Facts. Uh, no, oh, what are they called? Casey Tron fan cams, like the the uh, K-pop fan cams that people have. You seen those? No. Oh, what, what is it? What do you mean fan cam? It's like a like people will make like compilations of their favorite like K-pop artists like dancing and like whatever with like weird music in the background, like not right. even necessarily their music that they're just like. And like all of the videos have this weird filter that are like all sparkly and like they're like, oh my God, this is like I dream of fucking BTS and like all these other fucking K pop like people, random ass people. Um, and they'll just like, for the longest time, I haven't seen it in a minute though. So I think mm. it might have fallen off a little bit. Um, but like they would. Um, under any popular or famous or like really retweeted heavily um, heavy activity type tweet mm. uh, there would always in the comments be just like someone who has posted some like has nothing to do with anything about the tweet with anyone involved in the tweet with anyone who's mentioned with the context nothing it's just mm. a video of some k-pop person like fucking dancing and they're like oh my god dreamy blah, blah, blah. and it's like uh, it's nice. so fucking weird nice um, so propaganda. basically but gotcha. but the k-pop people did also like uh get really involved with a bunch of weird political stuff during like the election and everything and would just like spam the fuck out of people that were being idiots, which was pretty entertaining. Like they would just like make it so people who were saying stupid shit just like couldn't have a platform because their posts would just be flooded with just like K-pop. Right. Shit. <laughs> Weird. Weird, man. Yeah. Hmm. I think uh, some Taylor Swift fans did it too. It was like a it was like a K-pop Taylor Swift fan like collab. Lore. Oh, it was just, a collab. No, no, no. It was a collab. It was like the two, Damn. like the two fandoms were just like fucking with people who were right. being stupid on the internet. BTS featuring Taylor Swift and Taylor Basically. Swift featuring BTS. Super, Dude, super. What a crossover! That would sell billions. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but yeah. I, I think about it, it's. It was like the same kind of vein as the whole like. Buy GameStop. Reddit is telling you to buy GameStop. Mm, Send it to the moon. Gotcha. Buy, buy AMC. Gotcha. It had that same vibe where it was like super groupthink, but like it was utilized in a very like entertaining to me. And sure. like it really not a 
bad way. Like they weren't hurting anyone. No. By doing it. So no, I, Stan accounts never hurt anybody. Unless you're actually Stan from Well, he hurt himself. Up. He also drove off a bridge with his wife tied up in the trunk. Well, he hurt her too. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, he, he did wasn't... hurt. He did hurt himself, but right. There, people were harmed in the making of just two. Just two. you know, and imagine two people die to save millions. Maybe that song probably saved some lives. Probably did. Yeah. It also probably made people. Uh, it probably saved more lives by the fact that people who were disappointed that they didn't hear back from Eminem were like, oh, like he gets it. Right. He just can't get to everyone. This <laughs> is him writing back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I actually heard that song recently and listened like the whole way through. And I was like, fuck, dude. Anytime I hear it, I listen all the way through, but it is a fucking dark song. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Some dark um, shit. Hot take about Eminem. Um, I think his music is going to age poorly. And or there will be artists who take his vocals and put them to different choruses and backing music. He was the worst, like, song maker. How so? Uh... He sings so many of his hooks. He's a terrible fucking singer. Oh, yeah, he's not a good singer. Yeah, like, I'm, you know. Like, phenomenal lyricist, great rapper, but, like, yeah, like, as a whole, yeah. I've got a soft spot in my heart for Eminem, though. Dude, me too. He's, He's one of my favorites, but, like, that's why I feel it's necessary to say, like, he wasn't that good at, like, making songs. The only reason they have so much staying power is because the lyricism is undeniable that we're like, yeah, yeah this, this chorus is trash, but the thing that he's saying on both sides of it is amazing. Another uh, side of TikTok that I occasionally come across the is... Eminem fan stan accounts? No, uh, but it is... Um, their rap videos. God impressions? No, not rap, uh. no. It's people... Uh, it's actually just one specific guy that makes mm. TikToks about other rappers who rewrote verses on songs because they heard Eminem on like like mm-hmm. his bar on like mm-hmm. a collab piece. Like Big Sean did it, Kanye mm-hmm. did it, I'm pretty sure Lil Wayne did it. Like mm-hmm. there are so many rappers that they were like, yo, like let's get M on this uh on this this track and everything. And he comes in and they're like, ah, it's just like just a group of us like this song is gonna pop off because all of us are big names or whatever then eminem comes in and just goes insanely hard and like kanye's like i didn't sleep for two days i just spent it rewriting my fucking i mean (laughs) yeah yeah well and and you hear about the you hear stories where like people wouldn't want to send verses back because like, you know, there's always this like competition in hip hop. So the idea was like, they just wanted to be able to have the better verse and not give you the advantage of like hearing their shit and then like being able to pen something else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I imagine that would happen with, uh, with Eminem all the time. That's like, yeah. that's actually hilarious. It's and I so imagine, funny. 
there would be so many artists too that wouldn't want to be on a track with him because they were scared of like getting you know demolished on their own on their own thing yeah that and it wasn't tragic. even that he was like calling them out or anything he just no, did just like so the skill well. yeah yeah the skill ceiling was so much higher yeah yeah he's insane man admittedly i haven't listened to uh his newest project but i kind um, of don't want to why not like i've listened to a couple songs but it i i love old eminem and sure. some of his recent stuff has not been at his best in right yeah it's like it's okay it's, it's fine okay it's yeah. fine it's not I think I his writing hasn't like changed at all i think no, he can still write really well but some of the well. like the songs are just like man they're not good songs right and yeah. like there's a lot of other good quality music that i would just like rather listen to than right. a okay eminem song like i'm not yeah. not gonna go out of my way to listen to it a lot just because it's eminem Sure. And so with the newest stuff, I'm just like, do I want to like tarnish the image that I yeah, have? That's kind of where I'm at. Like I've I've been very okay to just like, yeah, I haven't heard it. Whatever. Other yeah. things going on. So that's that's kind of like I sure. just I have I hold him in very high regard and I worry that I would tarnish that image in my mind. And I'm very okay with just leaving it as a like a pleasant thought. Yeah, for so, sure. No, I'm not mad at that. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. But we got super off topic. Um, that's fine, though. It is. But to, to pull us back in mm -hmm. and get to what we normally have as kind of our, our towards the end, one of our last segments of the pod, uh, we've got some Magic the Gathering. But it is not a, a deck tech like we've done uh, this for week. the majority of those. But, Justin, you played some games uh this past week and got into got into it a little bit so how'd that go yeah we were uh we were playing some games last night were these um, with the the commander nine guys or was this on the discord yeah, that you had yeah it was with uh ian jason and brett um so we were able to get two games in in the time that we had um lost the first game although it was close i think um I think it could have went. Um, I think I was out of it for a decent portion of the game. Um, a couple of my. Well, I was playing Brea, the deck that we did last week where we made some upgrades. Um, yeah. I, played I was going to ask one, if you got to play it. And I was actually I was actually keen on seeing a bunch of the cards that I added in. Um, and like in that position, I was like, yes, these are exactly the cards. Like I want to be drawing now. Um, mm. so definitely more effective than what was in there. Um, so that was fun. So I played Brea the first game, um, didn't do so hot. I wasn't able to like really develop a board state. It kept getting, it kept getting wiped in like players trying to address other people's boards uh mine was just kind of like caught in the crossfire Collateral i was able damage. to deal yeah i was able to deal some damage uh but yeah overall i was like not that big of a factor in the first game but in the second game and now now like i'll i'll talk a little bit more so in modern horizons 2 
we had uh, one of the big cards that uh, was in the set. His name is Ragavan the Nimble Pilfer. So he was like the Chase Mythic in the set. Everybody wanted a copy. So he's one red mana for a 2-1 Monkey Pirate that says when Ragavan deals combat damage to an opponent, create a treasure token, then that player exiles the top card of their library. You may cast that card this turn. So effectively, on combat damage... He makes you a mana in the treasure. He draws you a card and gives you access to whatever they're playing, right? So you can make one mana of any color with the treasures. You build a little bit of treasure synergy into the deck. And no matter what comes off the top of their library, you can cast it using the treasures and whatever mana you have. Um, and so I have Ragavan in my Burgey deck, which was the mono-red Storm list that was using the Grinning Ignis to bounce him and either uh, do, like, Impact Tremors or the Aether Flux Reservoir or whatever. So right. I have him in Burgey as, like, a really solid one-drop. And, dude, I really did not understand how fucking strong this card was. Like, it... It literally every turn was drawing me like three cards, getting something like most of the time getting access to an effect that my mono red deck didn't have. Like the one, the one hit was like a big like mill opponents and then reanimate something. So I was able to get like one of their big creatures onto my board as well. Like the amount of advantage that Ragavan generated me was insane. It was actually insane. And it ended up in netting me the victory in the game. I was able to I was able to assemble all the right pieces. They were kind of focusing on Ian a little bit, uh, and I was able to and I was able to win the game. And I do believe it was in big part to the Ragavan. Like he made me, he probably made me like six mana over the course of the game, and got me like three castable spells. Uh, it was just like just insane card and mana advantage. Um, so that was that was really fun. A getting to play the mono red deck that I've been working on for a while because I think that list is so much fun, the Burgey list, and mm. then um, getting to see this new Modern Horizons two like powerhouse in action and actually having it like this little like monkey pirate just like decimating the table. Um, yeah, I, it was I, really cool. Do you see the art? Yeah, I pulled him up because it's I was amazing, bro. <laughs> it's awesome. I love it so much. Just this little white monkey that's got like all this treasure around him because yeah. he's just snatching up everything. So um, the lore, the lore with him as a card, he was a token that was created by like a legendary creature from like a couple sets ago. So whenever mm. she attacked, you would make this two one that was attacking with you, and then it would go away. But I guess it was so beloved from the community that they were like, give him his own card and they made him powerful as fuck and cute as hell. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm so about it. Stomped on him, dude. It was, it was, it was epic. Actually. That's dope. That's awesome. Yeah. I, really I like that a lot. <laughs> That's pretty but, cool, man. Yeah. It's always, I mean, no matter what deck I'm playing, no matter if I win or lose, it's always fun just to, just to play with them. They, they have just such good attitudes when they play. They're fun to play with. They're like, they're great opponents. Um, so yeah, we just, we just have a blast whenever we play. And, and that, it seems that, like that a pretty, so sweet. 
It seems like a pretty balanced group as well. It seems like mm-hmm. everyone kind of gets their opportunities to win and that there's like, it would probably be a little different if someone was just dominating the, the win column constantly and like everything. But it seems like you all have a, a pretty good balance for, for everything and are pretty competitive, which is cool. Yeah. Well, like I've been, I've, I've, <clears throat> I've known play groups where like one of the players was winning like close to 40% of the games and excuse me and in a four player format that's like a lion share of the games and then on top of that the individual like you know as I'm being told these stories about like the meta and how the games went and stuff uh the the player that was winning 40% of the games would be wanting like to dictate the meta of the playgroup then as well and have thoughts on how other people should build their deck and whatever um so yeah i could i could definitely see how things like that would create weird dynamics in a group where it's like okay so the person that's winning is like telling me how to build my deck or telling them how to build a deck um so yeah it was it was that was an odd dynamic so to your point yeah i'm glad um I'm glad that the playgroup that we have here is uh, nice and balanced and uh, it doesn't seem like anybody has um, like a dominating win percentage. I'm sure if I looked back at uh, the recent games, I imagine the win percentages would be pretty balanced. I know we're not playing. I know not everybody's playing their strongest lists all the time. Some people have uh, like new brews and of course I have new brews. Um, But yeah, I think I think overall. Uh, people would be winning about their like 25 26 percent of the games being like a four-player format yeah no that's i think that's what you're looking for and especially to have a group of people that you can enjoy playing with and like have like you said a good uh good attitude about it win or lose that's Mm -hmm. uh that's cool just happy to be playing together and like having a good time that's where i'm at yeah that's i'm just i'm i'm just happy to be there that's all like, like, like I say, it's like, it's kind of a meme sometimes, but you know, it's, it's true. I'd say, I'd say like, I, I'm just happy to be here drawing cards, man. Whether I win or lose, I'm just happy to draw cards. Yeah. Cardboard crack, man. Yeah, dude. It's sweet. Um, but yeah, Ian had, Ian had two new lists that he was playing. One was a mono black Turgrid deck, which like he gets anything that we sacrifice or discard. So the idea is like he forces us to sack and discard like all of our stuff. And then he just like gets all of our, all of our things on his side of the battlefield. Um, of course he won that game Um, or no, no, he didn't win that game. They took him out early, but that was, that was pretty brutal um to play against and then he also had a new green white deck uh which was karametra it just like ramped got a bunch of creatures on the board he played like uh, an infinite creature generation combo where if he if he had haste if he had a way oh shit i i i know what uh creature to tell him he was asking about haste and mono green and now i know what i can tell him um but if he had a way to give those creatures haste, he would have won that game. Um, but of course, he didn't have a way to ha- give haste. He had to pass the turn, and so he lost, um, yeah. which was unfortunate. But yeah, it's always fun to see what Ian brings to the table. Um, yeah, it was just good games, man. Just good games. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm glad that you're getting some more gameplay in um, and having a good Pandemi time. Pandemic is done, dude. Everybody's uh, out and free. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like you've got your guns out, sons out right there. Vaxxed and ready for sex, dude. Fucking vaxxed and waxed and ready for sex, dude. <laughs> that was such a good bit, man. I love them so much. <laughs> such a good bit. It was so funny. It's, uh, but I mean, realistically, yeah, like everyone's uh, things are getting a little more normal. Mm-hmm. Na- nature is healing. Nature <laughs> is healing. Um, speaking of nature and um, natural flavoring, uh, what's your flavor of the week here, Aaron? Uh, so flavor of the week. So, um, this week I have for, I'll start off with food. Um, I have been making a, uh, chicken Alfredo, but adding some extra spice to it. I cook some broccoli up in it too. Got to have some veggies and all. Um, but the key has been, I've been taking a couple of strips of bacon and chop, mm-hmm. chopping them into like small little bits, cooking that in the pan to start it off, then cooking the chicken in that, in the bacon grease and everything, mm-hmm. then throwing the broccoli in, cooking that all up, and then adding the alfredo sauce and everything with the, nice. the spice and all. So that has been, I've had it a couple times, and like my weeks generally go in kind of a, flow of like i I typically eat similar things a number of nights a week just Mm -hmm. purely on the basis of like if i buy like last week i had beef that is was like sliced up and cut up for like stir fry so Mm -hmm. i had stir fry like three nights last week because a thing of well it makes that much yeah i i i can't just like Dude, that's not bad. Honestly, there's something about like just knowing what I'm going to eat. Like that to me, that's fine. Like I don't mind leftover. Like I really enjoy making unique things and like I I love cooking, but like when I have time for it. I was going to say sometimes, man, you just need to like know what you're eating. and, And like stuff like doing a stir fry or this chicken Alfredo, like it's easy. I cook the pasta. I cook up the meat and the veggies in a pan and add the sauce and add spices and whatever. And I just mix it together. Like it's so easy. Right. It doesn't like the cleanup afterwards is like nothing. Um, so that's been my, uh, my go-to food for this week. So that's my, nice. uh, my first flavor of the week for music. Um, Oh man, I thought we were going to make it. Through yeah. We almost went the whole thing. Um, with music, I have been going through and I'm trying to uh, get a little bit more volume to I'm putting together like an experimental rap playlist, mm. which is a kind of transitional playlist for people that like like heavy metal or like metal core or like that kind of like rock metal music. Right. Um, But like Shane doesn't really, he can't really get into rap very easily. And obviously I enjoy rap a lot, but like there are these artists that are like half rap, half metal, like weird sounds, weird beats, things like that that I've come across that are like a pretty good, like 
balance or almost like intro step into the rap side of things. So I've put together a decent playlist so far. It's got about like, I think 20 to 30 songs on it. Um, and I'm trying to listen to some of the artists that I have on it more, listen to their like radio on Spotify that plays them with similar artists and find like more of that music to add to that playlist also a killer workout playlist because it just goes hard and it's like it just gets me like amped up so that has been kind of my uh uh medium for for music um and for visual mediums i watched oh this is gonna be bad um i not bad in I can't remember the name of the movie and I'm trying to, okay. I just wanted to make sure I had it right. So I watched a movie this past week, uh, called promising young woman. Um, it's a 2020 movie. Uh, very, very, very good movie. It's like That's a lot of varies, dude. It has a lot of, um, more, no names. Allison Brie is in it. Bo Burnham is in it. Carrie Mulligan, um, Adam Brody. Like there are a lot of um, like more well-known people in this movie. Right. Um, and it's a little bit. Uh, it takes a, a little bit into the movie to start trying to piece together what's going on. She um, murder people. You think that from the start, right? But then she ends up like forgiving them, and you but know, not. But yeah, like she. It's a. It's about a woman who is, uh, kind of in a, a almost sociopathic way, going after people who take advantage of drunk or, um, uh. It, not sober women gotcha. so going after creeps and like uh really kind of shitty people it starts out like that and it gets goes further and further throughout the movie and um and everything so it was i i was under the impression that it would be a good movie based on the recommendation uh but it was even better than I expected. It was a, a very, very solid movie. So promising young woman, uh, came out this past year in 2020. Nice. Definitely worth a watch. Um, if you like some suspenseful, uh, little bit dramatic, uh, kind of films. So right. love a and, good and sexual assault scene. Phenomenal acting. Phenomenal Sweet. acting throughout. Everyone was uh, played the parts very well. So, nice. yeah, but well, that's what you hope from an actor. You want them to play the part. Yeah, but like you come across ones that just don't a lot. Like Dude, I agree. I agree. So, so I was uh, I was impressed. But nice. Okay. How about you for your flavors of the week? So for and this one, I'm 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 straight as an arrow. Uh, if, if, if you heard last week's episode, I kind of took it off the rails. Um, all right. So for audio, uh, Quentin Tarantino did an interview on podcast 
Um, so check that out if you are a movie fan. If you like Tarantino, he talks about the uh, the 10 film idea that he has, like kind of where that came from. He talks about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He talks about <clears throat> Death Proof. Um, it was, it was a phenomenal conversation and I think, uh, Quentin was like really there for it. He looked great. Um, overall, it was just good to see him in that form. Um, cause he doesn't do that kind of stuff often. There's not a whole lot of, um, as I've seen, there's not a whole lot of just like random interviews from Quentin. I, I know at a certain point in his career, he stopped doing that kind of stuff. Um, so hearing, hearing this interview, uh, was, I honestly, it was, it was something special. Uh, excuse me. That was a burp, not a, not a, not a cry. Um, but yeah, so Tarantino, uh, if you're a Quentin Tarantino fan, if you're just a fan of movies, um, check that out. And then Sarah made some ham and bean soup this week. Excuse me. There it was. Um, Sarah made some ham and bean soup this week. Um, it is on the more like reddish tomatoy side. Okay. And so it's not as thick as it has been before. And I'm like really digging it. I like um, I like the flavors. And what's always good is we had the bone with the ham. So you get like the marrow. So and you the did a nice like yeah. bone broth and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so good. It's so Love good. That. Um, so I feel like a true I feel like a true hunter gatherer. Uh, my body is filled with all the um, all the great fats that you don't often get um so yeah uh she's a great cook um and for visual medium star trek the next generation hmm, interesting it's terrible i can't i can't uh, watch it i was it gonna say age, I, didn't, age well. I didn't take you for much of a star trek person but no, i was like i was like I'm, oh maybe it's good no it's not well okay so here's my assessment like i i really love the take of like just being super critical say the funniest thing uh whether it's true or not i i, I like that i like doing that sometimes and what i find is when i'm overly critical i'm i lose some value right so what okay. i've come what i've come out of star trek with is the writing is great there are moments and conversations between the characters that are actually very profound and you can tell the writers were like like okay what if we put them in this scenario like what would it actually be like right um very actually, thoughtful, very, yeah, yeah i think they did a lot of really thoughtful um thought experiments within the writing but the yeah. acting is fucking terrible the sets are bad the costumes suck like uh, it's all just like really unwatchable out? i think it's like in the 60s or the 70s oh that's that's rough um so yeah it like um i i yeah all yeah. i could think of were jokes for it um so yeah i doubt i'm glad I you doubt got ever. a smidge of value oh yeah and i don't want to like totally talk shit i'm not like trying to like alienate anybody who likes the show obviously like it was just way before my time and i never even was exposed to it when i was younger so i'm coming into it much later so like yeah. it was it, like it's just it's just like a rough time i have uh, a tough time going back and watching the original star wars movies i think yeah, the writing is like phenomenal, old video like, games the the yeah the like costumes and the special effects is mm -hmm. like it takes you out of it 
like freaking Yoda in uh, episode five or whatever in, in Dagobah is Bro. like a fucking creepy ass puppet. Like he, that, he is the most profound in that film, though, man. And I it, love the scene where he's talking with um, he's talking with Ben Kenobi, and yeah. he's like, he's like, if he never comes back, and then like it, the, um, they have like the red light showing on Yoda, mm-hmm. and he looks up and he's like. There is another. Like, dude, yeah. it's all so perfect. It and is. For the time, like, like the, it's amazing. Yeah. It doesn't but, hold up that great now. We just yeah. watched it recently. It doesn't the, hold up that great. The visual side of it does not. But, like, the writing, like, similarly, the writing it's really, and the, like. It's really fun. Yeah. It's yeah, really fun. It's it's well done. And for the time period, it's just, it with how special effects and things are nowadays it's a little bit tough to mm-hmm. yeah 100 and th- oh by the way this isn't like uh you know like uh star wars fan star trek fan like, oh know, yeah, yeah not at all. i am not uh i have not watched much star trek in general so that right. was my easiest relation to sure no that's 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 perfectly fine sci-fi from a similar time period but yeah, so that's my minor mini critique of the next generation. Couldn't get into it. I enjoyed some of the writing, though. Gotcha. Very yeah. nice. That's my so, flavor of the week. Flavor of the week. Uh, well, I guess that kind of brings us to the end of another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast. Um, hope you guys enjoyed uh, our kind of race recap. Um if you want to feel free to go back and check out the race companion we did on Sunday for the steering grand prix. Um, it was, uh, it was fun. I really enjoyed watching with Justin again after I hadn't watched a couple of races with him. So it was cool to, to do that and just kind of chat throughout, um, watching the race and all. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed all of this and, uh, looking forward to to next week and this coming uh this coming week's race so want to take us out of here heck yeah man um pretty much all the same to you i look forward to our uh race companions and i look forward to next week's episode and if you enjoyed this week's episode please hit the like the subscribe button really helps out um really helps out a new channel like us um but that is all for the f1 news the league of legends news anything happening in our little magic the gathering pod that has been the tall and short of it everyone peace out later guys